And that's what we're going to talk about today as we continue uh, part three of our series, Contagious, not Courageous, although it is Courageous, Contagious Christianity. Now, if I can get some help, I've got these handouts which I want to hand out. Can I get a couple of volunteers to jump up and give me a hand here this morning? You know, last week I printed out 30, and I didn't have enough. This week I printed out 40, and I think we're going to have spare. Contagious Christianity. Praise the Lord. So, let's just review quickly. Last week we introduced an equation for evangelism. Thank you. Who can remember what it is? It's in your notes if you can't remember. HP plus plus equals right. High proximity, sorry, high potency rather, thank you. Plus close proximity plus clear communication equals maximum impact. Amen. And last week we spoke about being the salt of the earth, which is the high potency and the close proximity part of that equation. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it useful again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Everyone say, I am the light of the world. Like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light in a basket. Put it on a stand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Amen. So last week we spoke about uh, high potency, close proximity. We're being the salt of the earth. And we briefly introduced clear communication. And that's what we are going to talk about today. Because this is always the difficult part about sharing your testimony, about witnessing to people, amen. How do you start a spiritual conversation? Amen. And so I want to give you three different methods, if you like of starting a spiritual conversation. And, and some of them you will look at and you go, oh my Lord, I can't do that. Others you will look at and you'll think, yeah, maybe I could do that. And if you had done the evangelism styles questionnaire, it would probably tell you a little bit about which one would be best for you. Amen. But I think you'll know your own personality as well and just how you interact with people every day. Amen. So here's the first one. The first one is the direct method. Everyone say direct. In your notes now, don't wait for an opportunity. You create one. You raise a spiritual topic just to see if they're interested. You don't force them, but you open the door. And if they don't take the hint, you return to a safe topic, right? And so some, some examples of this is things like, do you ever think about spiritual things? 
You talk to talking to someone on the street or talking to a friend or talking to someone you know. If you ever want to know the difference between Christianity and religion, let me know. Right? It's really direct, isn't it? You're just putting it out there. How's it really going? Yeah, you know when you look at someone and <clears throat> you ask them, so how are you doing? And they say, oh, yeah, 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 I'm good. But you can just tell by talking to them that everything's not good. There's things in their life that are just on fire right now. <clears throat> Being able to look them in the eye and say, really, how are you going? Right, that's really direct. It requires quite a bit of boldness, amen? Who, in your opinion, was Jesus Christ? Do you ever want to stimulate a, a lively discussion about spiritual matters? Ask them who they think Jesus was. That'll really open up, open up a conversation. How about this one? Do you ever wonder what happens to you when you die? Because as a general rule of thumb, we don't like to talk about death, amen? True story. The reality is, is that as Christians, we have a hope, right? We have a resurrection. We've got eternal life. And so this, this small little whiff of 70 years on earth, it's just a small thing. So for us, death isn't such a big concern. But you'd be amazed how many people out there are afraid of what happens when they close their eyes for the last time. What happens when you step beyond that horizon? So asking someone about it, so what do you think happens when you die? That's really direct, isn't it? It's going to really open up some questions. So that's, that's the direct method. You know, another thing you could do is, uh, what do you think a real Christian is? What's your spiritual background? Or how about this one? Hey, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? It's direct. These are direct ways of, of bringing up spiritual topics. Amen? Here's another way. An indirect method. So an indirect method in your notes, it builds on the direction the conversation is headed by using the topic that is being discussed as a bridge to a related spiritual topic. You know, so an example of this is when someone comes to you and says, hey, how are you doing? You can say, well, financially okay, family-wise pretty well. Spiritually, things are great. Which one would you like to talk about? I can tell you, they're going to go, wow, spiritually. You know, you are, you are using an existing conversation to build a bridge into something that's spiritually, man. I like to use this one a lot. People ask me, so what are, you got, what are you doing on the weekend? Oh, I'm going to church. It's going to be awesome. Church is great. Oh, you're not camping, fishing, sleeping in, getting drunk? No, I'm going to church. Right? It's, it's using a topic that everyone likes to talk about. It's the common question everyone asks on a Friday afternoon at 4.30 when you're sitting around the boardroom table, you're getting ready to leave for the week, Everyone normally asks, what are you doing on the weekend? Right? It's a bridge you can bring up. So, well, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go sing some worship songs to the Lord. I'm going to live my life for Him. Amen? Indirect. Around Easter time. You know, it's an event that's happening. The world 
has an Easter celebration of sorts. It's a public holiday. You can bring it up and say something like, do you think the Easter celebration is based on fact or fiction? Right? You're using an existing framework that people are already talking about and switching it to a spiritual topic. Are you with me? Do you buy into the idea that the baby in the manger was God's son? Because a lot of people just think Jesus was a good man, but nothing else. You ever had someone, you know, this, this is a common truism about people. People like to complain. True story? Put your hands up if you've ever complained. <laughs> right? Frequently. Put your hand up if you complained this morning. <laughs> I know, right? It's a common thing. We complain. But you know, when someone comes and complains to you and says something, I don't know what, but they complain about something in your life, you can use that as a bridge to say, you know what? I've felt frustration like that as well. When someone comes to you and says, oh, I just feel so frustrated. My life just, I feel like I'm going around in circles in my career and my family. You know what? Yeah, I had frustration like that once upon a time. Oh, really? What did you do to beat that? Well, you know what? I started coming to a, coming to a church and, and, and I gave my life to God and, and I put Him in charge of my life. And, and you can see how you switch that into a spiritual thing, right? Can I tell you something that I learned at church that really helped me? Indirect method. Another, um, the, the third and final method, right? is what we call the invitational method. Invitational method. In your notes, transition the conversation by inviting them to an event that relates to the topic that you are discussing. Amen? Give them a visual reminder. You know, down the back of the back of the room there, we have invitation cards. You could put your name, your phone number on it. You don't have to say a thing. You can just say, hey, I want to invite you to my church and hand them the card. It's got all the service times on there. It's got the addresses on there. It's got a little bit about what we do and who we are, right? Invitational, give them a visual one. What about this one? Offer to pick them up. Hey, I'd love for you to come to church. Oh, you know, I just... I'm running a bit low on petrol this week. That's okay. I'll come pick you up. Right? The invitational method is about reducing the barriers, bringing the barriers of entry down. Right? Because you know people will come up with so many different excuses for not coming to church. Amen? Peak their curiosity. I've skipped my notes, haven't I? I have. <laughs> That's what happens when you read ahead. <laughs> you could do something together before or after the event. I like to do this one. This is one of my favorite things to do. Hey, why don't you come to church? And when we're done, we'll go get lunch together. Right? You will be amazed how many people show up if there is food involved. Amen? Amen? There's food. Oh, wow. I'll come. Free lunch. Right? It's one of the reasons why after church we have our fellowship time. We have tea, coffee, cakes, biscuits, all sorts of stuff. Right? It, it, food connects people. Right? 
um, introduce them to other Christians at church. And this is really important. Because when people first come to church, they need to be connected with other people who are like them. And if you are a people person, and if you're using the invitational method you normally are, you are able to recognize your friend's life and where they're at, and you can introduce them to other people in the church who are at a similar level to them or have similar backgrounds or similar stories. Amen? So introduce them to people. Introduce them to the pastor. Introduce them to the pastor's wife. Introduce them to people here. Introduce them to your friends. Make them feel like they belong. It's a core part of what our, our vision is, amen. We want to create a community where people belong. And when a visitor comes in, we should not just leave them sitting in the chair by themselves. We need to be introducing ourselves and introducing them to other people. Someone say, praise the Lord. How else do you start spiritual conversations? Here's the first and most important thing. You need to pray about it. This is why that impact list that I gave you back in week one is very important. Because every morning when you have your prayer time, you pray over that list. Lord, I bring this person before you today and I pray for them. I pray you soften their heart. I pray you open up their mind. Let them be receptive to your word. Amen. You pray over them and if the opportunity comes, that's great. Take it. But if it doesn't come the next day, you're praying again. And you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying. Amen. You pray over them. You take an interest in the other person's world. Now, this is very, very important. Very important. I don't, everyone, okay, don't stone me, okay? I'm just going to hide behind here, okay? I don't know that much about rugby league. Okay? Personally, I kind of prefer union, but I've gone off union as well since the whole Wallabies thing and Israel Falau. But anyway, I don't know that much about rugby league. But if someone comes in that door and they're wearing a Bulldogs jersey, first of all, we'll kick them out. No, we won't kick them out. They're wearing a Cowboys journey jersey. There's a couple of things I'm going to do. I'm going to have a look at what the latest score was for the last Cowboys games. And then I'm going to go and introduce him to Brother Kenneth. Because I know he likes the Cowboys. Right? You take an interest in other people's world. If you don't know much about whatever they're interested in, learn something about it. Get involved in that world. Because that's what this world wants. Right? Everyone is so self-centered and so self-focused that even when people come off the streets, they are very much like that. But as a church, if we are interested in their life, They'll become disciples because someone else is interested in their life. Someone else is connecting to them. Amen. So show an interest in their world. Talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. Take people out for a coffee. Spend time with people. Let the guard down is what that means. So often as Christians, you know, we, we're out in the streets. We're talking to people. We're trying to be very, very holy. We like using the King James English when we talk to people. How was your weekend? Well, my weekend, it was wonderful. And how was thou's? Or how was thine? And it's like, just be normal. Be a normal person, please. Amen. So take people out for a coffee. Just spend time one-on-one. -on -one. Just build a relationship with people. Amen. Use um, what we call peaking their curiosity. 
right? Someone says, so how was your weekend? Oh, man, my weekend was incredible. Wow. What did you do? I went to church. It was really that good? Oh, yeah. You have no idea how awesome it was. Young people, so what did you do on Saturday? Oh, man, it was fantastic. We went to youth. We found out our pastor can't act. It's hilarious. Hello? Right? People are going to be interested if you're passionate about what you're involved in. Amen? Praise the Lord. Use reciprocal reflexes. Now, that's a really fancy word, but what does that mean? You're all looking at that going, what in the world is a reciprocal reflex? Is that something the doctor diagnoses you with? No. A reciprocal reflex is if someone does something nice for you, do something nice for them. They buy you a really nice birthday present. When it's their birthday, buy them a really nice birthday present. Right? Give, and it shall be given to you. Amen? But that's not the point. The point is, is that when you are giving, you are showing the hands of Christ. Right? And so you can build a relationship by giving. Give freely to people. Be generous. Amen? Be willing to take risks. Who here likes to take risks? Let me ask you another question. Who here likes to go bungee jumping? (laughs) Ain't nobody put their hand up for that one. (laughs) Right? Be willing to take risks, though. Right? Be willing to risk it all because you don't know what people are going through. And, and I know from personal experience the number of times in my life where I have missed an opportunity to witness to someone because I was not willing to take the risk. And, and I regret those times. And God understands. God knows our heart. God knows our motives and, and, and how we tick. But there's been many times in my life where I felt God speak to me saying, go and talk to that person now. Amen. And I've gone, oh, God, just want to. I'm scared. Be willing to take a risk. Be willing to step out of your comfort zone, right? We're talking about starting spiritual conversations. Make the most of split-second opportunities. You know, sometimes doors open and they open really quickly and they shut again. Be willing to jump in when that opportunity happens, right? Someone says, you know, hey, g'day everyone. Welcome to work. It's good to see you all. How was your weekend? Yeah, mine was terrible. So what are we going to do today? Stop. Hang on. You had a bad weekend? I'm really sorry to hear that. Tell me about it. What happened? What was so bad about it? Right? Use the door to get into people's lives when it opens. Because sometimes it'll only open. People in the world, they build up walls. Because so many times in their life, they've been hurt. And when the door opens, because God has either opened the door, or you've got an opportunity to bring healing and hope to their heart, take it. Take it. Make the most of those opportunities. Amen. And finally, don't underestimate their degree of interest. You will be amazed the number of people who I've spoken to early on in the relationship. And they've said, so what are you going to do on the weekend? And I said, well, I'm, 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 going, to be, I'm going to be in church because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the pastor of a local church here in Cairns. Oh, Really? Oh, that's incredible. And the number of people whose next sentence is then, 
I go to church somewhere in Cairns, or I used to go to church, or I've had some experience with church before. It's incredible. So many people have interacted with the church before. Amen? And so don't underestimate how interested they are. There are so many people out there who have been burned by religion. Absolutely burned by religion. What they need is a relationship with God and with the church. But so often the church is just focused on this is how we do things and don't you dare mess things up for us. Amen? Well, praise the Lord anyway. Please don't stone me. Praise the Lord. All right. But here is the reality. A personal testimony, you'll see in your notes, bottom of page two. I've put it in a little box so it stands out. A personal testimony is still, everyone say still. Still still the most persuasive form of communication. Your testimony is valuable. What is the value of your testimony? Here's the first thing. It is unique. There is nobody who's got the testimony you've got. Nobody knows what I went through when I was 19 years old better than what I do. And nobody can share it like I can share my own story. Every single person sitting in this room under the sound of my voice has some experience with God that is unique to them that they can share with someone. And it is the most persuasive form of communication. Here's the other thing. It's personal And people love personal stories. People love personal interest stories. The number of times that I'm preaching, and I will say, let me tell you a story. And I see people sit up and pay attention. Wipe the sleep out of my eyes. Oh, pastor's about to tell a story. This could be interesting. Hello. Right? It's personal, and people love personal stories. And they are easy to understand because when you're telling your story, you're telling it in your language, using your vocabulary and your words, and it's easy for people to understand. They can relate to that because you live in 2019 just like they do. Amen? So it's relatable. It's easy to understand. Here's the other thing that makes your testimony valuable. You are the authority on it. So it's difficult to argue with you. Well, let me tell you what God did for me. Well, you know, how do you know God did that? I was right there, buddy. I was living through that. Amen. You are the authority on your testimony. You can point to stories in the Bible and point to different things. And people will argue and say, well, how do you know that's really God's word? How do you know that really happened? And blah, 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 blah. But when you use your personal testimony, you're the authority on it. It happened to you. You were an eyewitness. Amen. People love a personal story. But here's the other thing. They remember it. I have a pastor in my life. I still call him my pastor. I talk to him on the phone a bit. He provides me with mentoring and advice from time to time. And he loves telling stories. But you see, people remember personal stories. So the number of times that I've been listening to him preach and he opens up with a story, I'm like, yeah, I've heard that story. I know that story. I might not remember everything that he's ever preached in his life, but I remember most of his stories. 
right? It's the same thing when you're witnessing to someone. When you tell someone your story, you don't couch it in deep theological language that's so deep no one can dig you out. You just tell your personal story. People will remember it. And it sticks in their mind. And next time they're going through something that's similar to you, they're going to go, oh, I remember Brother Kenneth told me about that time. He was going through this. I remember Brother Radic was going through that as well. And yeah, he was, he was telling me, and, and, and this is what he did. And people remember personal stories. Amen? They remember it because they can relate to it. Like I said, we all live in 2019. We can relate to one another. Right? People struggle to relate sometimes. People in the world, right? I'm talking about in the church, we relate to the Bible quite well because we understand the principles that are there. But people out there, they don't relate sometimes to characters in the Bible. It doesn't make sense. What do you mean Hosea went to the auction and bought his wife for three ephahs of barley? That's just crazy. Who does that? Hello? You get what I'm saying? But you, people can relate to you. People can relate to your story, amen? So it builds a relational bridge. And that is why it is the most effective witness we have in this world that we live in today, amen? 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 says, Always be prepared. Everyone say always. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready. So what is an easy way to share your testimony? Let me give you some easy steps here this morning. They're not in your notes, but maybe you can write them down. Here's the first thing. What was my life, what was my life like before I met Christ? Write it down. Maybe not right now, but when you get home, write down the answer. What was my life like before I met Christ? Second thing, how did I realize that I even needed Christ? Write that down. Third thing, how did I commit my life to Christ? And the last thing, what is the difference that that has made in my life? That's your testimony. That's it in a nutshell. So you can go home, and if you haven't done this yet, and I encourage you to do it, write your testimony. What was my life like before I met Christ? How did I realize that I needed Christ? How did I commit my life to Christ? What actions did I take? How did my life change? And what is the difference that he made in my life? And if you became a Christian as an adult, you can use those steps to compose your testimony. If you came to be a Christian at an early age, but maybe you walked away for a while, you can use those same four steps to start with a time just prior to your recommitment. If you became a Christian at an early stage, and I don't know if this would apply to... This might apply to every, some people. It might not. If you became a Christian at an early age and never strayed, use the same four steps to point out some deep need or common problem that others have struggled with and explain why you never had to experience it. Right? So do this in your head. Let me see if I can do this for you. I was born in the church, but I went through a period where I was really uncommitted. 
And it was just going because I had to go, right? So I'm kind of number two. I was a Christian at an early age, but I kind of walked away, right? But I recommitted. So before I met Christ, I was down. I was discouraged. I was depressed. I was suicidal. I was really struggling. And then I realized that, you know, I needed the Lord. I was struggling so much. I got down on my knees on my bed one day and I said, Jesus, if you are real, show up right now. And he did. He flooded into that room and I felt his presence like I'd never felt it before. And I committed my life to Christ. I came back to church. I was faithful in church. I went to my pastor, said, how can I help? Let me get involved. Let me teach Sunday school. Let me sing at the front of the church. Let me do anything I can do to help. And the difference that made now is that my life is completely changed. I am on fire for God. God is my everything. He's the one that does everything for me. Without him, I'm nothing. That's my testimony in a nutshell right? It's personal. It's relatable. There's people you're going to meet out there who have struggled with something like suicide. And when I speak to them and say, yeah, I'm a pastor of a church. You know, I really struggled with that when I was younger. Wow. Really? You did? You see what I mean? And so you can use those four steps to write down your testimony. And that's what I'd like you to do this week. I want you to write down those testimonies. If you're not sure what those four steps are, come and come and see me. But here's the thing. I'll read the verse for you again. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope. Everyone say hope. hope. The hope that you have. The Bible does not tell us to share our faith. It tells us to share our hope. What's the difference? Faith is what you believe, but hope is the benefit of what you believe. We need to share the hope. The benefit of me living for God is that I have a hope that this world is not my home. The hope that I have is that when I get on my knees and I pray, God will answer my prayer. When I see God move, it's because I have asked Him to intervene in my life. That's the hope I have. And so when I come into a situation, the hope I have is that if I bring it to God, He is going to answer. He is going to assist. He's going to help. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. That's the hope that I have. That inspires people. Wow. Man, my life is aimless. You sound like you've got direction and purpose. You better believe I've got direction and purpose. I might not know exactly where God's going to have me 20 years from now, but I know I'm going to be living for Him still. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So how do you... Um, just let me back up a little bit. Let me give you another handout that might help you out here in preparing your testimony. Can I get a couple of people to come help me with this? Possible testimony themes. On this handout that I've just given to you, you will see a couple of questions across the top. How trusting Jesus has helped me deal with 
and how trusting Jesus has given me. And what you do is you go through that and you tick the ones that apply to you. Right, so maybe Jesus has helped you deal with anxiety. Maybe Jesus helped you deal with loneliness. Maybe Jesus helped you deal with the pain of rejection. You tick the ones that are relevant to you and it'll help guide your thoughts as to, to what is relevant to you. Thank you. Right, and then how trusting Jesus has given me. And there's, there's different things on there. Maybe Jesus has given me faith to face my fears. Jesus has given me real lasting happiness. And so when you have gone through that sheet and you've ticked the things that all apply to you, that gives you an idea of what your testimony themes might be. And then as you are going around your daily life, here's the thing, you listen for problems or needs that Jesus has helped you with. And if you've ticked, let's say you've ticked anger, right? Coming to the Lord really helped you with your anger. Can I tell you? You might not believe this. I used to have a problem with my temper. <laughs> Sometimes I still do. I try and keep it under control. You know, when I was a small child, my daddy came and asked me to clean up our, uh, my playroom. And I am very embarrassed to say, oh, I don't know how old I was. I must have been five or six. I lost my temper very badly. And I went and got one of my toys and just kicked it across the room. And it slammed into the shed. I think the playroom was in a, in a garage. It slammed into the roller with a crash. And I was shouting how much I did not like my poor mother. Lost my temper. <laughs> Let's just say discipline was administered. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so I had a problem with my temper. right? So let's say I ticked that. I had a problem with my temper. And then I'm at work and I'm talking to someone and they say, oh, man. You know, someone cut me off while I was driving to work today and oh, I just lost it. I was like, at the window, and I was like on the horn, I just cut them off and they ran off the road. And they can't even get their mouth open to say the words properly. Wow. How does that affect your blood pressure? You know, I used to really struggle with, with my temper as well. Amen. And you can lead into things. So when you see people who are expressing these kind of themes... Dangerous. When you see people struggling with these themes, you can then identify with them. Amen. Another thing you can do is refer to a news item dealing with a common need or a problem. You know, like the one that pops into my mind right now is insecurity. Right? Around our, our, our table at work, we talk about things like, not all the time, but we talk about things like, you know, sheesh. America and China, the trade war that's going on, the stock market starting to crash. You know, I'm seeing my superannuation disappear. Insecurity. And if that's something God has helped you with, you can relate to that. Amen. You can relate to that. Amen. And so you can speak to that person. Amen. You can start with a situation that they might agree with or a situation that they would relate to. Amen. These are ways to lead into your testimony. All right. Matthew, let's move back to your notes now. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. Jesus said, 
Come follow me, and I will show you how to hunt for the souls of men. No, 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 no. What's it say? Fish. How to fish for the souls of men. Not hunt. We fish. In your notes, following and fishing go together. Hear it. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You cannot follow God and not be a fisher of men. Hello. We are to be matchmakers, not salesmen. And that's the truth of the matter. We're not here to flog some product. We are here to identify needs in people's lives and say, let me show you how Jesus can help you with that. Right? We are to be matchmakers, not salesmen. And the last one, in your notes, we are to be fishermen. Everyone say fishermen. Fishermen. Unless you're a lady, then say fisherwoman. We are to be fishermen, not hunters. In your notes, I've got a little table there, the comparison between hunting and fishing. Hunting is aggressive, right? If you go hunting, you get hot, you get sweaty, you get tired, you get frustrated. Fishing, you can sit on the side of the, of the lake, chuck a hook in, and just sit there all day and completely chill out and relax. Right? Fishing is more gentle. Hunting is based on confrontation. Fishing is based on attraction. Think about it. Hunting is go out there and shoot them. Fishing, you're getting them to nibble on the bait. Hunting, you're using a one-size-fits-all bullets. That's it. Use a gun, you shoot things. But fishing's a bit different, isn't it? Fishing, you can try different baits. You can try different lures. You can have different things you do. Hunting, you get one shot. Take your best shot. If you miss, it's over. Fishing requires you've got to give a little and wheel it in some more and give a little more and wheel it in. It's give and take and negotiation and backwards and forwards. Amen? Amen. Hunting, it scares the animal away if you miss. Amen? That rabbit is not going to sit there and go, please, take another shot at me. Come on. <laughs> Amen. But fishing, you know, you're going to chuck the bait in there and the fish is going to be like, yeah, nah. Well, but maybe, yeah, nah, nah, nah. Ooh, that looks really good, but nah, 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 nah. Okay, I'm going to take it now. Right? Fishing. I'm just giving you what the fish thinks, okay? You get more than one chance. In hunting, the animal doesn't have a choice. No animal is going to sit there going, yes, please, shoot me. Shoot me now. I would like to be shot. I want to be mounted on your wall. Thank you. Thank you very much. But fish get a choice. It can choose to take the bait. They can choose to ignore it. Amen. Our job is to make it really hard for the fish to ignore. And that's why your personal testimony is so important. Because they can't ignore what's happened to you. Amen. Hunting, you have to be a skilled shot, right? If you want to be a hunter, you know, this is a little embarrassing to admit it, but I don't mind because we're all family here. But has anyone here ever shot a compound bow? 
a compound bow, right? So it's a bow and an arrow. But a compound bow, you got to pull it back, pull it back, and it's really hard to put back. Pull back, pull back, pull back. And then all of a sudden it goes click, and it's there. And you have a little thing on your finger, a little trigger that you release, and it releases the bow. But you can sit there for hours like that with the bow like that, right? I was able to do it once. <laughs> I tried to pull the second shot back. I couldn't do it. You have to be skilled to be able to sit there and go, and use it every single time. But you know how much skill you have to be to be a fisherman? Not much. Just chuck a line in the water. When I was growing up, I used to watch the Solomon Island kids. They'd go fishing. They didn't even use bait. They just chucked one of those tri-star hooks in the water, and whoosh, and just yoink, jagged the fish out, Right? You don't have to be skilled to be a fisherman. Anybody can put bait in the water. In your notes, there are three keys to spiritual fishing. You need to identify your fishing pond. And I've got in your notes there, I've got a little box there. What's your fishing pond? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and in every part of the world. And I've got it written there. Our church's fishing pond, our Jerusalem is Cairns. Our Judea is far north Queensland. Our Samaria is Australia. And then every other country that we can make an impact on. Amen. Your fishing pond for yourself. Mark chapter 5 and verse 19. Go home to your family and your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Your Jerusalem is your family. It's your kids that are living in your house. It's your grandparents. It's your aunts. It's your uncle. It's your Jerusalem. Sorry, that's your Judea, rather. Your relatives then. Your extended family is your Judea. Samaria is your friends, the people you work with, the people you go to school with, the people who you spend time with. And then the world, our world, for our individuals, for individuals is the acquaintance that we meet. Never miss an opportunity when you can witness to somebody. I remember one time I was driving down the street in the middle of, middle of Sydney, Right, skyscrapers all around. I was on like Pitt Street or something like that. People were walking home backwards and forwards. I was in my car and I saw a lady sitting on the side of the road crying. And she was well-dressed. She was a businesswoman. She didn't look like your typical normal homeless person sitting on the side of the road. And before I even knew it, I pulled over in the middle of the traffic and stopped on the side of the road, jumped out to have a talk to her. What's wrong? Are you okay? And she told me some of her story and what had gone on. And I had a chance just to minister to her one-on-one. I didn't, know, I didn't even know her name. I still don't know her name. But you don't know what seed can get planted when you begin to talk to somebody. So don't miss those opportunities. They are acquaintances you can make that you can minister to. Our job, and I guess if you don't get anything else I've told you today, our job is this. We need to build a friendship bridge. Become aware, commit to prayer, show you care, and be ready to share. Amen? Build a friendship bridge. And then next week, we're going to talk about clear communication again, but we're going to talk about what's his story. We spoke today about what our story is. What's his story? How can we share his story? Praise the Lord. Why don't we all stand? We're pretty much out of time. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now? Praise you, Jesus.
So here's what I want you to do. I want you to review your impact list. If you haven't written one yet, write one. Write six people who you're going to make a difference to in their lives. Amen. And then I want you to pray for them. Care for them. Amen. Let's just pray. Precious Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this time.